name is Dave Dora, and I'm going to, t the title of my presentation is um, Faith Meets Business Management. In my working life, uh, early on, I decided that I was, my profession was going to be management, and as part of that profession, what I did was, I started reading. I went back to school, I got an MBA, but I, but I read uh, incessantly and insatiably about the art, skill, and practice of management. I read maybe over a hundred books over a 20-year period. And after reading all of that, I tried to integrate it, and I, and I came to essentially a summary of everything I've read. And the summary can be summed up in four words. And those words are art, basics, modeling, and servant. Art, basics, modeling, and servant. And as my faith journey progressed through RCIA, I started integrating my faith studies and those lessons into the practice of management. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to spend a little bit of time on art and basics, but more time on the modeling and servant nature of management. So let's talk about art. The best definition of management that I've ever read comes from a CEO named Max Dupree, who was CEO of Herman Miller Furniture for years. And he says, management is the art of getting things done through others. What he's talking about is the concept of tangible versus intangible work. Tangible work is done by the staffs of companies who answer the phone, uh, process reports, uh, fulfill your order, pick a package, ship a part, etc. Intangible work is management. You don't produce anything of tangible work for the customer. You know, you may do an analysis, a lot of it's communications and coordination, but fundamentally, you don't produce the tangible work. You don't touch the actual work that, that supports the customer. And your job as manager is really to remove obstacles for those that do the work. So I'm going to give you an illustration of what I mean by the art of management. Management is not a science. It's not a formula. It's not mathematical in nature. It is an art. So what I would say to you as an illustration is that when Grant and Norm and Andy were five years old and they drew a picture it looks something like this. That's a five-year-old stick figure. And that's to be expected. And as they progressed through school, and they learned, and they decided they wanted to be artists, and they went all the way through high school and college, and they learned everything, and then maybe they got to something that looked like this. <laughs> a little bit better stick figure. But fundamentally, when they got all through college, they and all the rest of the people who get a fine arts degree have the same set of basic tools. 
But the key is, what do you do with those tools? And so Grant did this. This is Grant Wood's American Gothic. And Norm was Norman Rockwell. And Andy was Andrew Wyatt. And they became great artists by essentially how they applied the tools that they learned. Management is the same thing. When you read a hundred books, you read about a huge amount of skill sets. But quite honestly, not every skill fits every person. And what you have to do is you have to pick and choose those skills that suit you best, that make sense for you, and that you can practice effectively. And I can remember many times I'd read a book and there'd be a great skill in there, and then something would happen on the job and I would practice that skill and I would go, yes, that worked well. I'm going to add that to my repertoire. Other times I do that and I go, oh, I'm never going to do that again because it was a disaster. The next term is uh, basics. And what I've learned over the years is that when you start into management as a beginning manager and then you start working your way up to higher levels of management, in the beginning, management is very, very complex, particularly when you're working with first-line people. It's a very complex task, and there's lots of complex issues. But as you move from, say, manager to senior manager to a vice president, and where I ended up in my career was I was the executive vice president of Kawasaki Motors USA, a motorcycle company. I was chief operating officer, senior American, and number two in the business. And at that level of, of management, I did zero tangible work. It was all very much conceptual and a lot of planning and a lot of meetings. But when I was working with my staffs, and my staff at that time consisted of about uh, 300 people, there was uh, 17 managers and 15 supervisors, a lot of people. And what I did was I worked with them all the time. And what I found is that a lot of the problems they had were what I would call failure of basics. Because as you get higher into business, the basics become more important. They become your touchstones. Then comes modeling. And this is where I started integrating my faith into this. And I have two pieces of what I call business wisdom to share with you. One is what you model, what you as a manager model, as your behavior to your subordinates and organization is reflected back to you. The other piece of wisdom is the person at the top sets the tone of the organization. In other words, your subordinates will copy you. Good or bad will copy you. Now, for me, as I started, as I started to understand this issue of modeling, and I'll give you some examples here, but I integrated and I touched on three scripture messages that I found tie in right to the heart of what I started practicing. And the first comes foremost from Francis, St. Francis Assisi, and it says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. The second comes from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. It says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And the third is from St. Paul in the 
and that says, join with others in being imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and observe those who thus conduct themselves according to the model you have in us. And this was just read uh, at second Sunday morning. So a couple of just very quick examples. One is that uh, we had a manager in our business who dressed not according to the company dress code. And he would come, and it was business casual, which is slacks, a sports shirt. He would come in in jeans and a polo shirt. And, it, and his staff was starting to do that. And one of his staff changed divisions, came in one day in jeans and in, in, in casual. And the division manager told that person, clock out, go home, get changed properly, and come back to work. And that sort of fired a shot through the organization, at least in, and the person said, well, in such and such an organization, this is okay. And he says, you're not in such and such an organization, and that's not company dress code. Uh, language. We had a division manager who had a habit of using the word kind of, like this is kind of like something. And a lot of the staff adopted that speech mannerism. Um, punctuality. I had the reputation of always being two or three minutes early for a meeting. And I never had to have people come in late. I was there on time, they were there on time, as opposed to another division manager who was always 10 minutes late. So I'll, and I had managers go to that manager's, division manager's meetings and they'd arrive five minutes late. But on mine, they were always on time because I was always on time. Management style, depending on the style of management you have, they will copy you. If you are an authoritarian, don't expect your staff, managers, and supervisors to be warm and fuzzy and empowering and participating. They won't be. They won't, they won't be. So if you're practicing empowerment, participative management, and leadership skills by, by modeling and example, you will train your staff to do the same thing. The last word is serve. And I start off by saying, you're not the boss, you're the servant. Remember the definition of management, getting things done through others. You don't do the work, they do. So your job is to move obstacles. And I have three scripture readings that I've integrated. In Matthew 23, 10, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. In John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now that doesn't mean I go throw myself on a ruler in front of my staff, you know, in the conference room. But essentially, when they need something, it's my job to run interference and make sure it happens for them. Because I need to remove obstacles so that they can do their jobs. In John 13, verse 15, this is in the washing of the disciples' feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that, I have, so that as I have done for you, you should do also. And I'll give you two quick examples. When I became Vice President of Operations, out in Atlanta, they had a uh, distribution warehouse, and the manager there was a coercive authoritarian. Now, coercive authoritarian means 
If, if I were to tell Dennis, Dennis, I want you to pick up this bottle. If I'm a practicing manager, I would say, Dennis, for the good of the company, for your good, and the good of your subordinates, you should pick up that bottle. This manager would say, Dennis, you don't pick up that exploded, deleted bottle, I'm going to fire you. That's a coercive authoritarian. So I went, in one of my first month, I went to visit the Atlanta operation. And the manager there knew I was coming for three weeks. And when I got there, he decided to take a day off. He's going to show me, his boss. So I went around and I took the supervisor and I introduced myself to every staff member in the building. And I noticed as I introduced myself, I could see tangible fear in their eyes. And the reason is because he was, of course, an authoritarian. That, to those people, that meant everybody in California was the same kind of person. So they were terrified. So at the end of the business day, I asked if I could meet with all the staff. They came to a conference room, I introduced myself, and there was a big whiteboard, and I drew this on the whiteboard. I drew a box at the top, and I said, President, Senior Vice President, Vice President Operations, Warehouse Manager, supervisor and then the last box said you and I turned to this group of 50 people and I said traditional business is that importance goes from the top to the bottom so the president's most important da 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 and then there's you and then I turned around and looked at them and I'm glad it's a civilized country because if they could have tarred and feathered me they would I mean you should have seen them they, 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 there's a bunch of southern boys in Atlanta and they were probably thinking I'm going to go out in my truck and I'm going to get my shotgun and come back in here. But then I wrote two boxes below that, and below that I wrote the Kawasaki motorcycle dealer, and then under that the retail customer. And I turned back to this group and I said, so what is wrong with what I just said? And I prayed, and I waited, and somebody said, the customer is the most important person in the business. And I said, you are right. So what's wrong with this is it's upside down. The customer's most important. The dealer supports the customer. You, su you support the dealer, et cetera, et cetera. And the president supports all. And then what I did was I visited the Atlanta warehouse about once a month. And I would have lunch with the staff. And I would hang out with them. And I'd go through the warehouse and say hi to everybody. By about five months, I was getting anonymous phone calls and voice messages on my phone saying, check this bill. <laughs> Six months, seven months later, I fired the guy. The last thing I would tell you is that a good example is that you have to serve the customer. And I used to tell my people, if you're not serving the customer, serve someone who is. And I used to like the um, uh, a message that said, if you want to do the best in business, go ask the customer what they want and give it to them, no matter how ridiculous it is and sounds. And so in many meetings over the years, what I would do is I there'd be meetings about business problems, and at the very end I would always say, and who's talking to the dealer? What do they want? What does the customer want? And it was, it was I got monotonous. But after eight, nine years of doing this, in the year I left the company, Dealer News, which is a motorcycle industry publication, every two years does a survey of the dealers and all OEMs.
in multiple facets and ask them how are the OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers like Kawasaki, Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha, how are they supporting you and how are they serving you? And in nine years, Kawasaki went from way dead last of about 10 OEMs surveyed to by far number one with all the dealers. In ten, it took about 10 years. But I, I, like I said, I was monotonous and, and sometimes in meetings, my colleagues would go, Okay, yeah, Dora, we know, we haven't asked the dealers. We haven't talked to the customers. And that's part of being the server. So I want to thank you very much.